of living my prayer for truth. I call it my prayer, it is simple and clear. It wants me to give and receive love. I call in the light to make everything right and show me the way to just be loved and show me the way to just be Hello and welcome to Rewire Your Attachment Style. This is Maya Diamond and I'm excited to be here today with David Coates, a friend and colleague who's a therapist and author of the book Be Less Dickish. He has led men's groups, couples retreats, been an adjunct faculty member at the California Institute of Integral Studies, JFK University, and taught internationally. David and I met in the Bay Area about 13 years ago through friends. We both went to the same graduate school, CIS, and our first episode together was episode number 32 on this podcast. And if you haven't listened to it or checked it out, I highly recommend listening. We really go deep on his book. And it was so well received that we wanted to do another one, but this time going deep around avoidant attachment. So I want to just start off with kind of sharing my intention for this episode. So my intention for this episode is to, for all of us to gain a deeper understanding of avoidant attachment, both for the people who love avoidantly attached folks, maybe you're in a relationship with an avoidant, or maybe you're getting over an avoidant. And for the avoidants also who are listening to have a deeper understanding of some of the dynamics at play inside of themselves as well as inside of their relationships. So um, I want to start out with, since, you know, we both kind of have talked a little bit about our attachment styles um, throughout the years recently. And um, so I want to ask you, because I know that, you know, you lean a little bit more avoidant, I lean a little bit more anxious. And I want to know, what does it feel like from the inside to be avoidantly attached? In other words, can you share what it feels like on an emotional and energetic level? So this is something I kind of am excited to go deep Mm -hmm. on, because this is something that I have as like, I have like a very, very small little parts of me that are avoidant, not a lot. And so I've always wanted to understand from the inside. So I'm curious, like, if you can share just kind of individually, but also in relationship. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of experience being an avoided. <laughs> so, so the thing about it is like connection is really, there's a strong draw. Like I love connection. Mm-hmm. I do. And mm-hmm. so avoidant can, people can think, yeah. oh, they're avoiding connection. No, no, no. I love it. And when yeah. I have it, uh, it can feel really, really great. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point, it starts to feel like, ah, uh, like something's not okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's both something that I really love connection, but it's something that I experience. Then this is my more avoidant expression is like, something's not okay, or I'm not safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's confusing because I have the thing that I think that I want that feels right. good. And then all of a yeah. sudden it doesn't. It's like eating like something delicious. And all of a right. sudden it's like, oh shit, that bite. Mm-hmm. what's going on here mm-hmm. and when i was younger i would i would start scanning for like you know why why do i why do i feel this way now mm-hmm. is it something that like is going on with you or right. 
is it something with me? Like it's, it's this big quest before I understood attachment better to understand like, why would I feel this way in this situation? Totally. And what are the sensations in your body? Like, what do you notice in your body yeah. in particular? And I know I'm sure this shows up differently in each avoidant person, but I'm curious and it might be helpful for the listeners to identify it in themselves. What does it show up in terms of feelings and sensations? You spoke a little bit about feelings. Yeah. I'm curious in terms of sensations. Yeah. For me, it has shown up as, as like a fear, like an unnamed fear, and tight, kind of tight in the chest. Mm-hmm. I'm like restless. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. in my, my solar plexus for a long time would get mm-hmm. really tight mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. And I could even talk about it with who I was with, you know, certain partners, but, uh, huh. like it's really tricky because it's not something I want to be feeling. Yeah. Especially if I know like, Hey, everything's great. Mm. Right. We're doing fine. Mm-hmm. And yet my nervous system is saying like, you know, not okay, not okay, not yeah. okay. So that's a real, that's, yeah. that's a real painful part of the avoiding experience. Right. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love kind of, going into um well actually before i go there i do want to go into causation and really go deep around the root causes because i talk about that in a lot of different episodes but i feel like i would love to hear your take on it um but before we go into that i'm curious then you know what are the ways that you manage or have managed in the past this like d- this feeling in the nervous system, like what are the ways that you have uh-huh. found yourself coming back into regulation in relationship that have, that might create pain in someone else right? when you're just trying to create calm yeah. and peace back into yourself. The one I'm currently tracking is like how provocation, like, so I'll get provocative. I'll kind of mm-hmm. upregulate mm-hmm. and get, kind of like can be a little teasy be a little obnoxious mm-hmm. uh, i'm laughing because it happened right before we started this interview <laughs> and it was kind of fun like <laughs> yeah it, it can be fun if it's not uh oh, just too obnoxious but like so what i've learned is yeah that's so, adaptive right? yeah so i start to get this sense of tension and then i'll kind of upregulate upregulate like i'll increase more intensity uh i think which is an old strategy to like come up as a way to come down Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like bring more intensity in. Okay. As opposed to being able to like consciously like down regulate. Right. Got it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then what about like distancing? Does that yeah. creating more space, like not seeing someone for a couple of days or not talking or what, like what in terms of distance, how do you notice distance? Cause yeah. I think that's, I'll just speak personally in my last relationship, my partner, um, would distance in a myriad of ways and it was so so painful and i think that's the thing that anxious people who lean a little bit more anxious or even secure when there's that distance that Mm. happens it just is so painful inside and it's so hard to not make it about you and but also exactly you just want connection it's not really that complex the person just wants connection but then the avoidant is needing or is creating distance and space to re-regulate the nervous system. And so how does that show up for you? Yeah. I mean, this one, this is the feedback I've gotten. It's like, Hey, when we're not together, I feel like I don't exist in your world. Yes. Right. And there's some truth in that. Like I'm not, uh, 
I had to learn to like stay, you know, stay Holes. connected energetically mm -hmm. with my partner mm -hmm. when we're not together, when my natural impulse would be to just be so fully in my own experience that right. they do kind of become an abstraction. Right. And that's painful for the other person because right. like, wow, we're so close. And then I don't feel like I exist when I'm not with you. Right. And that would confuse me in my twenties. I'd be like, well, what do you mean? I, I know you exist, but I didn't really get that. Like this... for, for non-avoidant types, like there's this kind of object constancy or consistency. that. Uh... Right. Well, here's the thing. I want to go into this for the listeners because this is super fascinating. Mm -hmm. So with secure people, they really feel inside, like, I feel you even when we're not together. I right. feel our connection. I feel that we're together. Right. And I feel you in my heart. For anxious people, it feels like unless you're talking to me and connecting with me through text or phone call, it's hard for me to feel that we're connected. Mm -hmm. And then for avoidance, I think what I'm hearing and I think it's the experience of anxious and it sounds like it's just uh, this natural thing where it, it literally is a bit of a cutoff and it's just like, I'm in my own world, you're over there, but I'm okay with that. Well, I want to feel or, you connecting with me, but I uh -huh. want no obligation to me to connect with <laughs> yeah, you. Totally, That's what yeah. your point wants. What could go wrong, people? What, what could go <laughs> wrong? That's, isn't that romance? Like that's, so, right. So it's fine if I reach out to you. But no, please do. I want you to reach out you to want. me, but with no obligation that I respond to. You. Okay. No obligation to respond, but also no obligation to do the initial reach out. That's no, what I'm hearing right, as well. No. So no obligation either way. Yeah. I mean, I'm joking. I'm not advocating for this, but this is kind of an avoidant. Like, yeah. I, I want to feel that you exist and yeah. you want to move towards and me. that I want, but, that there's the desire to connect. Yes, but that nothing is required yeah. of me. Like, yeah. so I, I deeply want complete acceptance for that yes. experience that yes. I'm having. Yes. And for you to self-regulate. Yeah. In that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But see the, the shadow dances, but I also want you to pull like that's part of the unconscious pattern that gets played out. Say and then I, well, that. then, well, then I get to sort of push back. Like then I'm justified. So my story yes. is I yes. want intimacy, but it ultimately, it doesn't feel good. It's going to engulf me. It's going to kind of negate my existence. Yeah. So, um, I'm always looking for a reason to distance. So yeah. there are strategies that the avoidant has where I'm going to, I'm going to provoke unconsciously or consciously. Yes. you to come and pull yes. on me so I can then say, see, this is what I don't want. This doesn't yeah. feel good. Like she just wants me. She doesn't care about the experience I'm having and what I need. Yeah. She just wants what she wants from me. Yeah. Um, that recreates an old painful dynamic. So I'm justified in doing the avoidant thing. And that's what most anxious and avoidance do in mm -hmm. my experience as a clinician and personally, mm -hmm. if they're mm -hmm. not paying close attention. Yes. And so I love how I just want to kind of underline this piece that you're speaking to, which is like the unconscious story, the unconscious belief, right? So the unconscious belief of the anxious is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not lovable enough, right? But then the unconscious story that you're speaking to of the avoidant is if, is that, sorry, uh, say, say it, say it again. That, uh, it's not going to feel, connection isn't going to feel good. Like somebody wants something from me that's going to kind of negate me. Yes. And then I'm not going to get to exist or I'm going to become object. Right. It's exactly. about them. 
right? My boundaries are not my sense of self. My boundaries are not going to be respected in relationship. And they weren't in my childhood. And so therefore, that's going to keep happening. And then what you're saying that is really powerful is that then unconsciously, you may kind of create situations that kind of rehabituate that same belief over and over again and creates that loop that happens with anxious and avoidance. Right. I'm going to recreate that. And the anxious is going to be down to do that dance with me because she, neither, both of us are trying to, as much as we think we want something different, like we're very rooted in the familiar, like the repetition compulsion. So that's what's so interesting about the dynamic is, um, Everyone says they want something different, but they're actually behaving in a way to stay in that safe kind of known, I'm not enough being reified. Yes. I'm not safe being reified. Yeah. He doesn't value me because he's not moving forward. So therefore, I'm not valued. I'm not important enough. I'm not prioritized enough, which is like exactly hitting on the anxious core wound and core belief. Right. And then, okay, therefore, I have to move forward. I have to move towards you to get that connection and i feel like because i'm unlovable then i have to do that and that's just habitual and then therefore there's that feeling of maybe invasion or not being respected or your space not being respected etc etc and so then it just goes back and forth and back and forth and in, in an IFS language, like I'm an internal family systems therapist, it's like an anxious young part. It's like, ah, like, love me. I'm scared. Yeah. And then, and then my little boy part is like, ah, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, what is this? Like, this feels scary and overwhelming and engulfing. Yeah. So we're going now into the causation. Mm-hmm. So I've seen, in my opinion, there's a number of causations for avoidant attachment. It's not just one. I'm curious kind of what your what you've personally experienced around the causation, the wounding that kind of creates these beliefs and these attachment patterns, both in yourself and your clients. Yeah, the the thing, the word that's been really interesting for me recently is attunement. Like, uh, I wanted a quality of like attunement, like what's, what's your experience? And what do you what do you need? Like, how are you feeling? And, um, you know, I grew up, I was super young in the seventies. So like that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, it felt like it's about other people mm-hmm. and I'm not getting attuned to. So I'm just kind of along for this ride that doesn't feel so great to me. And mm-hmm. so I kind of pull in and I resist the world. I brace against it. Okay. So like external agendas, whether it be like partners mm-hmm. or companies, like there's just a sense that like things are out there to kind of have their way with me. Mm-hmm. And I need to defend against that. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. But I want connection. So come close. But no, you're not safe. So go away. Right. Yeah. And then another piece might be the, um, and I don't know if you experienced this, but kind of a mother really needing your love and support. And so there was kind of a boundary list quality. And so therefore yep. you were being the, the avoidant person was being used at a very young age for their love and support. And because they were in that dynamic, they couldn't say no, right? As a child, it's so hard to say no to a parent. No, it's not okay for you to use me like this, right? Instead, 
it's like, okay, I'm going to give, especially for men. I, I see this as a common pattern in avoidant men, which is I am, I'm going to love and support my mother because, um, yeah, I have to. That's the dynamic happening. And then, and then. And you feel like you play a special role in her life. Right. Yes. So there, there's a lot you get from that too. Right. Right. There's a positive payoff. Yeah. Totally. Right. But then at the same time, the sense of self is lost in that dynamic. So you learn, right. I can't have my sense of self and be in relationship, but those two things are really exactly opposites. And so therefore it's very hard to have that intimacy and commitment with the other while, ma- while feeling like it's possible to maintain that sense of self. And again, I love that we were talking about the belief because it's like yep. that isn't, isn't true. In my opinion, it is not true. You can have your full sense of self and be in relationship, yep. but because that was your experience growing up, it's really hard to believe something different. And that's why we do this deep work to really feel your anxious or avoidant attachment style becomes secure because then you can actually create a new level of relating where you feel both internally in yourself and be able to have deep intimacy and connection and commitment. And it, and it can be a lively, interesting dance to do in partnership, like to track this stuff live. Like it's a really useful mm-hmm. model yeah. to be real time and yes. both be versed. So like, Yes. to learn this i thought you explained that really well and and the, and the piece that i would add is like i don't want to disappoint so there's also like from the young mom wound like i don't want to disappoint i don't want to, yes but i also don't want to be engulfed and so i'll overextend so i'm going to yes. overextend to try to show up yes and um because i don't want to disappoint you if you're yes. anxious because i but then i've I've overextended yes. and then I'm going to pull it in a way yes. and it's going to be really jolting. And I've done that a lot. Like that's probably been the thing that's been most hurtful to women I've dated is because I can be really there, yes. but I've overextended. Yeah. And so that's something to track as well because you'll feel it in the field. There'll be like an efforting from the avoidant. Like he's trying really hard and it kind of feels good because he's there, but something's kind of off too. But yeah. you, you don't want him to do that. Right. So I'm so glad you're speaking to this. So I think this speaks to why avoid it can part of why we're going to go into why, why women are so attracted to avoidance, but that this is part of it, which is the level of attunement and presence that an avoidant can have with you is beyond, 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 right? But guess what? That is coming from the overextension, right? So when sometimes, sometimes, sometimes not. Yep. But I think that there's a certain quality to it that's like beyond where it's like, wow, this person is so putting all their attention on me and it's so powerful and magical and like really potent. And I think that ability might be coming from exactly like a wound, right? And that all and the that like I'm gonna give so much so that I'm gonna have to go so far away Mm -hmm. right so it's like that rubber band that happens instead of kind of what you talk about in the book and what I talk about which is staying in your center right instead it's like how can I give to a level that feels in integrity with my being right that I think that's really important what you just said the over the overgiving 
it is has a powerful effect on on others, and especially because I know my internal world really well, so I can tune into other people's internal internal world. And the hope is that then I'll attune to you, and then you'll mm. feel completely healed and centered, and then love me perfectly in the way I've always wanted to be loved, mm. and will live happily ever after. So it is mm. based in like kind of a mom redemptive fantasy, and mm. and it never works out that way. Mm. so what you're saying that that was really insightful for me like i i want to be mindful about where i'm loving from is there an agenda right am i overextending yeah am i doing this in hopes of some something magical happening totally totally yeah Yeah, and when you say that it i think there's the counter again anxious and avoidant are the opposite sides of the same coin So the counter kind of fantasy of the anxious is like, yeah, you'll love me. Exactly. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, you'll love me so well that you'll heal all of my childhood wounds and then I'll be lovable. Right. So it's like kind of the opposite. Um, And and this never works. This, this, this is never a successful, uh, like a happy ending to the story of other being with me just so that, um, I'm transformed. Yeah, we're yeah. the opposite for the anxious. Yeah, yeah, you have to go in and be with your anxious parts and your avoidant parts, and you have to build relationships with them, which is what I help. I think we both probably yes. have people do that in our practices. Exactly, right? Yeah. So, right, so those parts are these young, young, beautiful parts inside of you that didn't get exactly same with the anxious. You didn't get the presence. You didn't get the attunement. Yeah. You didn't get the mirroring for whatever it was like for me i felt like i didn't get seen around my my feelings my dark feelings they always had to be fixed instead of just seen and heard and felt and loved and and joined with right and so when we do that for ourselves with in the presence of a practitioner in the presence of a coach or a therapist or a healer then we start to kind of learn how to do that for ourselves and really be able to do that in relationship, right? So then say we were in a relationship and he triggers me, then I get to be with that part of me that's triggered and love that part of me that's triggered, but also be able to communicate from my adult self and not from my little girl self. So... um I'm wondering in terms, there's something I want to speak to that I also spoke to in the other uh, um, avoidant attachment episode that I did recently, which was episode number 34, which is, I believe that it's a courageous act to say I'm avoidant and I want to work on it. Mm. And so I want to speak to what is the, what do you believe is the resistance to kind of owning it? and working on it Mm -hmm. you definitely want to be with someone that has that flame around their avoidance Mm -hmm. like you want your avoidant to be invested in exploring their avoidant tendencies Mm -hmm. uh and that to be in the conversation i mean the resistance is is um like these these strategies are what kind of helped us stay safe and uh, that that feeling of like engulfment and like negation and not existing like that shit is really hard to feel and it's and it's impossible to feel you can't like keep your hand on a burning stove like so there's these, these so the avoidant will have a story that like I'm fine like this is just the way that I am and and because that's their comfort zone and they, sometimes there's some connection that feels good for them mm-hmm. and then they get the fuck off and do their own thing mm-hmm. and that works for a lot of men. 
it does. And so right. you're inviting them into like their, these really deep fears that they've developed a whole personality in a lifetime setting up strategies to avoid and not to feel. So why would they want to? And an avoidant can't even appreciate that there'd be something different that would be better. Most avoidants who haven't done their work. So what's the payoff for me to do this thing I don't want to do anyway? Good luck. Good luck with that conversation. <laughs> but that's what you're up against. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of highlight that piece around like the pain, the pain of connecting with the parts that felt negated, you know, not even just like, yeah, just not even attended to, not seen, not heard, not felt, and, um, just deeply, deeply missed. And so if exactly, if the entire strategy, all the personality is kind of developed to not connect with those feelings, needs, then desires, boundaries, right? Because the avoidant is the dis feels disconnected from their deeper feelings and needs. Mm -hmm. And so, um, then it wouldn't, you'd have to, you have to be incredibly motivated to heal and have the courage to look at that pain and to feel that pain. And again, same thing. It's the same thing for the anxious. They are going to have to feel that childhood pain that they didn't feel. And so, but exactly with the avoidant, they don't have as much of the day-to-day -day pain, I think, that the anxious feels because they're, it, the anxious isn't as defended against it. Right. And so they're not as motivated. So then the question becomes, if you are with an avoidant, you know, for example, yeah, currently I have a client who's um, married to a guy who has some avoidant attachment. And so what do you, what, what is your recommendation for getting this, helping this person that you love so much that you want the relationship to work? You love this person. You want it to work. You want to have deeper connection, deeper intimacy, deeper commitment, deeper time together, deeper prioritization. What would be your recommendation to help this person start opening up to doing the work okay. or feeling these places. This is going to be fun. So uh, what I would say is you think you want those things, uh -huh. like to the anxious woman, you think you want those things, uh -huh. but do you really? Like, I, I believe that you, you really want and enjoy wanting those things, but I would say, you actually chose someone where that wasn't available. Like you, mm -hmm. you married someone that keeps you constantly wanting more. You didn't choose someone that's available because you probably dated someone that's been really available and like, whoa, like, and that's my experience mm -hmm. with people that are anxious. Like if someone's like, whoa, I'm there. I want the same things you want. I love you. They're like, ah, I don't know what to do with that. I only know how to want it from someone that doesn't want to give it to me. Mm -hmm. So I really challenge the anxious. My anxious clients like, hey, don't make it about the avoidant needing to change. Like, make it about mm -hmm. the dance that you're doing that feels safe and familiar to you, mm -hmm. and do the healing that you need to do uh, around what gets activated in the dynamic. Because mm -hmm. if you get invested in trying to change the avoidant, he's going to feel that as like right. invasive, right, and push away. Yeah. So exactly. I would say stay on your side of the street yeah. to begin with. Mm -hmm. 
So then let's play that out a little bit. Yeah. So you stay on your side. Of, so you, you stay on your side of the street. You do the work to become more secure yourself. Yes. And then what happens? Right. So we, now we can get more specific. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, because then here's the thing that I think is important to note. So then the anxious becomes more secure. So that means they're going to be communicating their feelings and needs yep. in a more healthy way. Yep. But they are going to be communicating those. Yes, they're going to show up. Which is more. going to trigger the avoidant. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is also really interesting. So if you understand that intimacy is really, really amazing for the avoidant, but also really, really scary. So he's going to come in really close and it's going to feel amazing. Like those moments where these two meet are magical. That's partly what keeps them together. And then for him at a certain point, something's going to happen inside. Mm-hmm. And when that happens inside, can you learn to just say, okay, he's just in his thing. It's not personal. Uh, he's, he's not going to go anywhere. He's still here. And, and if I pull on him energetically, he's just going to go away more. So can I hold myself in those moments, right. even though it's hard? And can I acknowledge where he is? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like things are pretty tight in there right now. Like, I'm letting, you know, it's okay if you need to take some time. Like, like create a structure where he gets to be honored in mm-hmm. what, in what mm-hmm. he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then make requests like, Hey, if you need to take some space, take some space. And could you text me a few times between now and, and tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of honoring, like, you get to be you there. Yeah. Instead of the, like, pulling or judging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what, I think that's good medicine for the avoidant. Mm-hmm. Because that's a different experience. Right. Then it, then the avoidant learns, oh, this person actually, yeah, this person actually can honor my space. Yeah. And I can also reach out in that space and get some connection in it. And the anxious then can get some, their, some of their connection needs met as well. Yeah. And especially if it's held with like responsibility, like, Hey, my anxious part is like having a hard time. Could you send like a Marco Polo or could you check? Yeah. In? Yeah. Or an emoji. Right. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. And so that's why, but exactly just using the attachment language can be so helpful. So that's one thing is you know, even just exactly. So, you know, there are so many resources. So maybe is there a, what would you say if you wanted your avoidant partner, for example, to read, um, uh, hold me tight by Sue Johnson, which Mm -hmm. is kind of like the primer around emotionally focused therapy around, you know, doing this dance of attachment in relationship. And so she really talks about exercises for couples to do. She talks about kind of what it's like for the avoidant, what it's like for the anxious. So maybe something like that or Wired for Love by Stan Katkin, like, is there a recommendation um, that could not feel like if your girlfriend, if you were like, if it's like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you hadn't read like so, Wired for Love or Hold Me Tight, and your girlfriend really wanted you to read it, what would feel good to you in me, asking? Let this? me, we can take this live. Like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Even uh, you're making suggestions about how you can get your avoidant partner to read books. Like, my chest is a little tight. Perfect. So, like, we're, we're in it right now, and we're not even a couple. 
So thank you for bringing it. Yeah, yeah, no, this is sensation. This will make it really fun because yeah. everything feels like some, you know, kind of like an unwelcome, like push to control in mm-hmm. some way. And mm-hmm. so my chest gets a little tight. I mean, part of that's like being on the camera too, but, uh, yeah. So it's really tricky to want, <laughs> to want an avoidant to be different than he is to like, right. would you read the book can feel like in him, it can feel like you're not okay as you are, or you need to be a certain way for me more than I want you to be you for yourself. But okay. So I'm going to pause you, right? Yeah. Cause my, so this is like a perfect, <laughs> right? So in my opinion, the authentic desire of the other person who's in relationship with the avoidant is to have a, a dialogue that's based in this theory so that they can work as a team, like exactly what you were saying. I was kind of trying to tie it back to what you're saying, like my anxious part, like he would right. only know that if he had read a certain amount of psychological literature. And so I, the, the impetus is, can we work as a team to create more exactly cohesive relating that feels good? Right. Like that. Can we have a shared narrative about where we're going? And I, and I think that you have to, it's good to have that and that like we're going somewhere together. Like, and part of it is like the avoidant, there's an exhaustion into this dance. It's exhausting to be an avoidant too, because so much energy goes into like, oh, I want it in a way that feels good for me, but it's not ultimately going to work out. And then I'm going to, and then she's going to be upset and then I'm going to feel guilty. And then we're going to have to do, Mm. come back and then Mm. I'll try to be a good guy again. And then she'll be happy for a little while. You know, like there's just like a, oh, can you feel it? It's just like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. And listeners are going to be recognizing like, that's all we do. And it's exhausting. Yeah. And so to have like a, hey, let's engage this directly. Let's have some structure. Let's yeah. have some rules. Let's have a shared language. Yeah. So that we can move forward in a good way. And attachment, I think, is the easiest, most accessible orientation around like, what's here? Is it, let's check in. How's your avoidant parts doing? Mm-hmm. How's your anxious parts doing? Like, so kind of coming back to the question, which is, do you think that that would feel good? Like, I really want us to work as a team together in terms of our connection and our relating. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if you could look at, I'm wondering if you could check this book out there. I'm wondering, maybe we could have a shared language. And I think this book might offer us something. Maybe. Yeah. yeah like, it, yeah, but that's the, like, that's the sensitivity of, yeah. uh, which I want to highlight because so many people will recognize yeah. this because they'll feel the ways anytime they bring up any suggestion, they'll feel their partner of yes. partner be like, like kind of bracing and pull away. Yeah. And so the internal experience bracing, is, pulling away and shutting down. Yeah. Like I am, I'm not okay as I am. Mm. Right? Like she, she wants me in her world for her. Right. Which is yeah. what can be so infuriating about the avoidant is they can, they can seem very selfish. But in their world, it feels like everything is all about the other you. person. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so both people end up feeling like, why is this all about you and what you need? Right. Exactly. And then that's a Definitely. part. That's a party. Yeah. That's a yeah. fight. That's a fight waiting. That's happen. a big fight. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, those are, those are good ideas. But I, I think what's coming up, which is interesting is how t- tenuous it can feel to like engage the avoidant. Like it's happening with yeah. us right now. Like we're playing it, <laughs> playing it out. And you can probably feel your experience too, as I'm like, well, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll read the book. Like, 
like, yeah, buy the book and like, I'll put it on my nightstand and like, give me a month. <laughs> might be the best that you could get and I'll pick it up within a month. Like that might be right. what you get. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So the willingness, right? So in my opinion, willingness is one of the most powerful thing. Willingness, responsiveness yeah. is one of the most powerful things in a relationship that you can give to your partner. I'm willing to try this out. I'm willing to be responsive to your request. And what I'm hearing, and I think it's so helpful for our listeners, both for the women who are like, I am getting over my avoidant ex and I so hard for me to understand what happened. Like, I don't even get it. Right. So really taking this in for healing so that you can see like so much of it was not about you or you being too much or you having too many needs or you not being whatever enough, cute enough, smart enough, funny enough, etc. It's really like there's this deep stuff happening in the person that you were with that literally was there a long time before you met them and unless until they do their work will continue to be there. And so you were engaging with that stuff and it was hard to really kind of collaborate sometimes on the things that were important. Yeah, that's really beautiful to honor like the vulnerability in there and that it's right. The needs are beautiful. Like yeah. the needs are beautiful. You get to want what you want. And um being with an avoidant, ultimately, I think for anxious women, you're in the practice of being with your parts because they're activated a lot. A lot. Because they're not getting the steady, consistent connection, connection that they want from their primary attachment person, their partner, their lover. Yeah. And so there's a lot of activation. Yes. And then that's the opportunity to say, I am going to be with this little girl that feels like yeah. she's not enough that she's scared and she's like oriented towards him. She thinks yes. that the solution is going to be with him. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be with her. So she learns that I've always got her. And that's ultimately, this is IFS as well. Like I'm going to become her primary attachment person. Mm-hmm. Cause when our little parts are looking to our partners for primary self soothing and a sense of meaning, yes. they're never going to feel safe and secure because that person's going to have moods. They're going to come and go. Right. So that's the work. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why I love this piece around the, you know, the avoidant needs to learn more collaboration, more connection, more leaning in, more I can regulate through this other person. It's safe for me to share my vulnerable feelings and have my partner hold me and give me reassurance. And then for the anxious, the task is to learn it's safe for me to there it's it's this is good and healthy and i know how to regulate myself and you know speak up for what's important and be a little bit more independent right the anxious is so used to being dependent and so then becoming healthfully independent is a really big powerful piece for an anxious to become that way and um Yeah. And to know that no matter what, you're going to be okay. That's part of, you know, in my book that I'm writing, which in our last episode, I had, you know, really was like putting it on hold. But then now currently I've already written more than half the book. I'm super excited. And one of the things that I talk about around secure attachment is that that uh, took me a while to really come into being and is, you know, still something that I'm working through all the way in my body all the way through, which is I'm okay, no matter what, right? 
that's such a big piece of secure attachment. I am okay no matter what, right? right? Which is independent of the way my partner's acting, the way, you know, this person's treating me, the way da-da-da-da-da, right? And that's this deep, deep internal security in your body. And the, you know, if there was trauma growing up, then that takes work to get there, right? It It takes a lot of work. And I would say, like, when the the avoidant, you know, when I can rest into a partner, it's incredible. Like, oh, there's space for me inside of her to be able to rest into. And that's ultimately what I'm realizing. I, I can do that now. I can rest into a partner. And when I kind of come back, just let release. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't mm-hmm. try to hold on to the closeness. Mm-hmm. Like, trust the ebb and the flow of like the coming and the going. And I think that's mm-hmm. the relationship that's really, it's like, oh wow, it's really close right now. And this feels really good. And then yeah. there's this sweet moving apart yeah. and you're going to write your book and I'm going yeah. to do my thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. That ebb and that flow. Beautiful. And I think I want to go into what we just talked about around the avoidant, especially because I feel like we're in this paradigm shift around men really being able to be more in touch with their feelings and to communicate their feelings. But then there's this fear that, and this old paradigm where women couldn't really sit with men's feelings, where they actually felt, you know, there can be turnoff, there can be, and we talked about in the last episode Mm -hmm. together as well. And so then, then the man doesn't feel like he can have feelings in a relationship. And so I think this is so important, which is this piece around, um, both we can, it's possible you can have polarity, right? Masculine, feminine energy, which creates a lot of attraction, powerful attraction. Mm-hmm. Both men and women, all genders have masculine and feminine energy inside of them. And polarity is just the opposite, those energies being more opposite at an extreme end. So then also we can have this polarity, but then we can also have it be where the man, say it's in a heterosexual relationship, where the man um, shares his vulnerable feelings and opens up around something that's really hard and really vulnerable. And the woman can be there for him and support him in that. And, and, and that's completely okay, right? Mm-hmm. And so just, I think for men, just really getting that, I think for what I'm seeing now is in the, you know, 20s and 30, younger 30s generation, men are much more comfortable with that. And it's like, oh yeah, totally. But I'm sure there's a lot of people still in those generations that feel still that old paradigm that they're not allowed to have feelings or emotions, that they're not allowed to express them in relationship. But then I think between mid thirties and like all the way till fifties, it can be more this old paradigm where you feel like I can't share this and be a man. And so can you speak to what it feels like also for the women when you can come to a partner and share your vulnerable feelings, whatever they are. And because, and sharing vulnerable feelings, again, like one of the biggest things that we see over and over and over again in couples work 
sharing the vulnerable feelings is what re- like reignites the connection, reignites the connection. We're, we're connected again because we we're opening our hearts. We're lowering our defenses, right? And so can you share about when you share vulnerable feelings as a man mm-hmm. and your, your partner or a partner really is able to receive that and support you in that? How does that feel for you? Right. Let me, I'm going to weave that back into the attachment conversation. Great. I think it's really important because the, the old avoidance strategies would be for me to provoke or to pull away or to mm-hmm. um, kind of resent and judge neediness, things like that. But what's under that is what you're getting at, which is like, oh, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Like we, mm-hmm. We've been hanging out all afternoon and my chest is starting to get tight. And uh, I think I'm reaching my like upper limit intimacy of like, being in connection i'm afraid by saying this that you're going to get your feelings hurt that you're going to get reactive that you're going to go into your anxious parts and be critical mm-hmm. and but but that's my truth is i need to transition out mm-hmm. and uh like that would be an example of just like sharing reality real time yeah. which to me is the practice yeah. and then if i can be received in that like thanks for letting me know i get it yeah yeah i could keep going right yeah. like my preference would be to stay. Yeah. Right. You get to be able to say, I really honor what you need. And let's, can we take 20 minutes to kind of transition? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that level of conversation is what breaks the avoidant, mm-hmm. anxious kind of traumatic cycle that we get caught in because we get to have a different experience. Yes. You get to have your voice. I get yeah. to have, I get to have my needs. Yes. You could say, can we circle back before bedtime? You know, like you yeah. can make a request. Totally. That your nervous system needs. And I think there's something I want to add to that that I teach that I think is really key, which is when you shared that whole thing, it felt so good. And if you added like, or I can't remember if you said it, so I'm just going to highlight. I can't remember if you said it. I'm just going to highlight it for the anxious, for the avoidant people who are like, oh, yeah, I totally feel that where I feel overwhelmed and I need my space. If you can just sprinkle into that or even start with it even better one compliment then the anxious person is like their nervous system is calm because they feel okay he loves me he cares about me he wants me let me try again okay so i've loved spending all afternoon together and i love the hike that we took and just the cuddle that we had it was amazing i can feel that my nervous system is needing to transition that actually feels better for me to say Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. great. Thanks for that. Yeah. 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 How did that cool. feel for you to receive that? I wanted you to finish it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'm feeling like kind of at the end of my like relational rope mm-hmm. or, uh, kind of today. Mm-hmm. And I need to go spend some time and doing my own thing. So I want to transition after this great day. Mm-hmm. How does that sound to you? Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Like, yeah. So I can feel. In that, I can feel my little girl going a little bit, oh, that's scary. But then I can also feel my adult self being like, totally cool, right? So it's like the awareness of both happening at the same time, right? So it's, we all have needs, we all have feelings, we all have desires, we all have boundaries, and we all have these points where we're satiated in our fullness right. of connection and that happens for me too right and i need space too so it's like okay yep 
that's what's happening for him. Okay, there's a little bit of reassuring that I need to do for my little girl. And I know that he's taking care of himself and that he has the awareness and the emotional intelligence to share with me where he's at. And that is really potent and very, I respect that because there's so many times when, um, when I've experienced it, when people aren't able to articulate that, right? And so it's actually very reassuring and creates a lot of security when I know where the other person is at. And, you know, that's something that I really value is clarity. Yeah. So clarity is a big value of mine. So avoidance, if you can share where you're at, the deeper vulnerability and then be received. Yeah. That's healing for both parties. Yes. So, and I love how, um, Kind of remember the name of the person. Um, my friend shared how one of his teachers said that secure attachment is being received well. Nice. Right? So that's, if you're received well by your partner, then you feel secure, right? And you feel that, that kind of exactly that connection that goes back and forth. Like I really feel and hear and see this person. And I really feel in here and see this person. So we're both getting received well. Which means there's safety. I can show up as me and it'll go well. You can show up as you and it'll go well. Mm, Love that. And a lot of that is showing up in a really self-responsible way. Like I'm feeling this. This is where I'm at. This is what I need. And and I want to know how that lands in you like that. Yeah. That's the pattern that we want to move into. Yeah. Which shifts that anxious avoidant really painful dance that they get caught in. Yeah. And it really takes courage, right? Yeah. So what David said really took courage for him to speak those vulnerable feelings of like that. I'm like at the end of my relational rope. Like I so maybe, um, you know, I so want to spend more time, but actually, or part of me maybe wants to, to like, you know, st- keep going in this, but I'm really, at the end here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's you, not, and it's not personal. Like it's, it's like being full at a meal. Like I'm satiated on, yes. on the food front and it doesn't matter who you were with. Yeah. It's not personal. It's enough. And totally. What, and what Maya said was great, which is like, Oh, and my little girl is a little bit like, uh, like, but I can be with her. I can spend time with her and yeah. make, help her realize like, I'm still here. Everything's fine. Like, there'll be more fun. Yes. It's like I'm here staying with my friend and yeah. their little girls. Like I play with them at you know, eight o'clock. They have to go to bed. And it's like, yeah, well, I'll, just, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Love that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to go deeper around why women are so drawn to avoidant men. Part of what I do is really help people heal their attraction to unavailable men and shift that to being attracted to available men, which kind of you spoke to, which is, mm-hmm. When someone's really highly anxious, it's hard for them to receive an available person because exactly it's iconoclast. It's totally opposite to all of their beliefs about love. And so it doesn't kind of fit into their own narrative. But also a lot of times it's what they're used to, right? So if you're feeling like you really want to be attracted to available men and you want to become secure then I would love to have you in my program because we can really shift this piece around being actually physically like full bodied heart, mind, body, spirit attracted to men who are really coming towards you, who want to know you, who want to see you, who can kind of show up in that reliable way. And so I want to, 
I think this is so interesting, which is what are the pieces that, um, that has people like literally every attachment style is very attracted to avoidance usually. Um, I mean, obviously the more secure you are, the more maybe not, but, um, but yeah, like what is it? Do you think? Yep. What I, what I say about, um, with my clients is like there, there's something mysterious about the avoidant. There's something to be discovered. So the avoidant engenders that sense of like, Oh, I don't know the whole story, but there's something really intriguing there. So we're intriguing in how we present. And that can be, there's an allure there. Like we like reading mystery novels. Like we like drama on TV. Like we're kind of wired to be intrigued. And so avoidance have a lot of impact and they, we want to know more about them. And I, th- I think the problem, the, the problem that women face who say, I want to be done with my avoidant thing is to be perfectly honest healthy attachment doesn't have the same like neurochemical high it's not as intense it's not as exciting Mm -hmm. and it's not Mm -hmm. and my teacher used to say like what if you met someone and it was like a six or a seven and i used to be like no i don't want a six or seven so you have to learn to 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 kind of wean your neurochemistry off what is kind of addictive patterns of like seeking Mm -hmm. high in, in intensity and stimulation and it's really hard to do because the, the healthy attached guy he's like oh yeah i want to get to know you he doesn't like give you that sense of like turn on and intrigue and mystery and you have to wean yourself off of your kind of addiction to that and uh i think that's hard to do yeah yeah so that's uh i love so true so <laughs> you know exactly what i'm talking about don't you <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> Of course I do. Yeah. So yeah, first of all, I just want to highlight that piece around the mystery. Exactly. Like we're so, or there's something I want to add to that, which is when there's the intrigue and the mystery and like, I don't know the whole story because he's not giving it to me. Then you get to project this whole thing onto the person. And that's what, you know, what in my past I really did. My younger self was like loved, like creating all these like fantasies and projections and like deep kind of energy that, you know, was so easy to do because they weren't giving me the full story. Right. And so that's something to really, um, to notice is, you know, is this person revealing who they are to me or not? Um, And then also the other piece that I want to add that I think is really important, which is, um, yeah, exactly. There's the highs and the lows and et cetera, the addictive, like, oh my God, it feels so good when we're together. But then when we're not, I feel like shit. Yeah. Right. Which is really intense and addictive. It's very addictive. Um, but but then there's this other piece that I think is less talked about, which is because the avoidance are more disconnected from their own needs and it's hard for them to communicate the, the needs and the feelings, then the person who's with the avoidant is with someone that doesn't really have very many needs. So then that makes well hello someone with not very many needs like that's easy to be with right so there's like that ease with 
maybe being with someone that doesn't, isn't very, doesn't have a lot of needs. And that can be really freeing. And I think for a woman, that can also be, feel like, oh, great. Like I get to have the needs or whatever in the relationship. There might be an unconscious desire for that. Also, if you grew up with a parent that had a lot of needs, that maybe, maybe like an anxious mother or something like that, that was very needy, then it might feel like, oh, I have so much space, right? So you might, like for me, Mm -hmm. like unconsciously, I actually had a lot of space in these relationships with these avoidant men. And I said that I didn't want it, but in a lot of ways, I think I did, right? So it's like making those parts conscious, right? But also tolerating, I think the thing that really needs to be learned is to tolerate have being with someone with needs, right? Because you might be actually really habituated right. to be with someone without needs, and that might feel actually really comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. So really working through that is super important, and we definitely do that in, in the program. Um, so I love... Um, and then also there's one other piece, which is just all of the marketing, I think, that gets done in the movies for being attracted to avoidant men. So the movies, mm-hmm. television, commercials, like the Marlboro Man, and just like the sexy guy in the business suit that is so like mysterious and like a little, he's so independent and he's so strong. And he wants to, you know, have sex with you, but he doesn't want like, you know, yeah, but maybe he doesn't like need you. Right. And so there's a lot of marketing that we see where we don't see men being really warm and open hearted necessarily in these romantic movies. And so that I think can happen too, where we've been marketing, marketed this archetype women have been marketed this archetype and think that that's like the most attractive thing. Yep. I agree with that. I want to say two things on that. And, yeah. and one is uh, there's more in like the fairy tale and kind of the, the stuff we grew up in the yeah. happily ever after. Yes. You can't project happily ever after on a healthy attach, you know, attachment style because it's already being revealed. There's no kind of payoff down the road. Yeah. And uh, I totally. also think there's something about like high status men in our culture are attractive to women. And, like there's a lot of people talking about that. Like Jordan Peterson goes into that a lot too. Mm. And and they're not men that reveal a lot of their vulnerability. So men in power, which yeah. is attractive from an evolutionary standpoint, right. for from women, exactly. Like, men with power will likely survive, and their children will survive. So totally, and they're financially secure. Exactly, power yeah. financially secure. But then. A lot of those men are workaholics and they're just working all the time and they're not connecting with their feelings and their emotions. It's, and so it's very hard for them to actually pay attention to their partner. Right. hundred percent. And the, like the lower, the, the lower chakra of like safety and place, you yeah. get that with men like that. Right. You don't get real relationality. And I think exactly. a lot of women are in that dilemma where yes. they feel safe and secure with their man. He's a yes. good man. He's even a kind man. Yes. But they want connection. Exactly. But they're getting so much yeah. other than the connection that it's hard to mm-hmm. turn away from that or yes. to push for what they want because there's a lot to lose. Exactly. Oh, yeah. and I want to go into something, um, you know, and I'm not sure what your experience with this is, but it's not talked about very much. And I love talking about things that are Take not us talked there. about very much, which is... um 
which is something that happens sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes in the anxious avoidant dynamics where especially I notice when you're living together that one of the ways that a man distance or one of the ways the avoidant distances, it could be a man or a woman or any gender, is by withdrawing sexually. And so basically what happens is there's a lot of intimacy when you're living together, you're already around each other a lot, you're talking, you're sharing meals. So one of the ways that the avoidant distances unconsciously is withdrawing sexually. And there could be a lot of reasons for the withdrawal. It could be that they're resentful for something that they didn't say, et cetera, et cetera. But that withdrawing sexually then creates a lot of pain for the other person and it's really something and and maybe one person is okay with it one person isn't and so that's something that can be really hard that comes up a lot in this anxious avoidant dynamic and I think you know that it's probably kind of going back to what we first started with it's like it's helping the avoidant kind of regulate he, he already feels too much invasion and too much of her energy in his face. Uh-huh. Uh, and so sexuality is just more of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, in that dynamic, that's kind of enmeshment. Like there's too much. There needs to be more separation so he can feel himself more fully and then feel his desire again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, again, with that communication, communication is lubrication. I love that line. So with that communication, like the avoidant and being like, okay, I need to go away for a couple of days or I need more of this in this relationship or whatever it is that needs to be communicated so that there can be that, that deeper connection through intimacy and sexuality again, right? Yeah. And, and the avoidant will feel guilty. And especially if he's with an anxious attached type, like, yeah. oh, I really need time away, but I know that'll really upset her. So I'm going to try to like, man up and yeah. stay close and like take her on a take go on a picnic but i don't really want to do that but i'm trying to be a good guy so that's the dynamic setting up and so totally. i really encourage avoidance like even if you're disappointing your wife and your kids go away for the weekend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like don't be don't be kind of a resentful there right. but not there kind of man and i see a lot of avoidant dads who they're pushing the stroller and they're trying really hard to be a good man yeah. but inside they're like they're dying, they're dying, and then they're drinking too much at night, like mm-hmm. they're coping, they're acting yes. out. So be willing to disappoint people to to stay in yourself. So when you come back, you're there. Right. And I'd rather, I tell dads, like, I'd rather you be present for an hour with your kids, intensely present for them, than be kind of half asleep with them all day on a Saturday. Like, yeah. so you got to stay alive. Like, don't fall into the sense of like obligation and trying to be good. Like, learn what you need fucking give it to yourself for the sake of your relationship your sexual relationship your family like you have to do that beautiful and and you know again tying in this piece of if you're feeling like you really want to do the deeper work of kind of going into these places where it's really scary to go but in all of your defenses saying don't go there don't go there but in these places you get if you have that desire to do that work, it will help you become more secure. It really is possible to become more secure. And that's because you're allowing yourself to feel these feelings that were unfelt and 
to kind of heal these experiences that were not healed in childhood, that you didn't get that, the connection or the space or the boundaries or the kind of presence that you needed. Yeah, it's it's worth it to do the work. And it's hard. It's really hard. And yeah. anybody that tries to sell you on that there's seven steps to heal your attachment have very low expectations on that offer. <laughs> it's really gnarly. And once you get in there, it's not as scary as you think. It's like, okay, overwhelm intensity. And then you move through that and you learn to be in greater levels of intensity. And then you're not so afraid in life because you know that you can meet what arises relationally on other domains. So. Mm-hmm. Which is powerful, right? Coming back to this power piece. Yeah. That is powerful in all of your relationships to communicate better, to be able to meet what's happening, to be more present in all of your relationship. That is powerful. And I think, you know, there's this new article that came out that was so profound saying that women now of this generation that's coming up literally don't have tolerance for men that don't have emotional intelligence. And so it's, it's like an evolutionary impulse to actually come up to this level of being able to be emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent, yeah, self-aware, emotionally responsive. And and but all and so it will really positively impact your relationships with women. And I think what I've with all the avoidant men that I've worked with, they really want a loving relationship. They want an easeful relationship. And so um, and so, yeah, there are ways to really get there and to do that work. And so, um, yeah. I have a transition moment for that. Yeah. Uh, cause that there's a way, and I, I talk about this in my book, like there's a way that I, I really encourage women to hold men accountable for, um, like bad behavior. Yeah. Like, uh, spun out behavior is what I call it and be less dickish and so if a man is like kind of icing you out Mm -hmm. i heard that phrase recently so he's Mm -hmm. there but he's Mm -hmm. clearly hey what's going on nothing just doing my thing you know like clearly he's pissed but he and he's kind of punishing you but but he's not owning it like more and more for women to be able to say like hey this doesn't work for me I, i appreciate that you're having some hard feelings over there but what's happening right now doesn't work for me. And you can come meet me in the center, talk about what's going on for you. But I'm not going to stay in the same space with you if that's what you're going to do today. That doesn't work for me. And, mm. and to learn to really like hold the line so you can be firm, you can be loving. Like, hey, I get you're having a hard time. I want to connect. But this doesn't work for me right now. So these are some different options that would work, like leading. Mm-hmm. Leading instead of just like doing what women were taught to do for so long, which is just like, Okay, like deferring to the man's mood and like walking on eggshells and taking care of the fragile man. Totally. No, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Or become, or what happens is then becoming shut down yourself and becoming avoidant yourself, which is also really, really painful. So what happens with the anxious is the anxious then, you know, tries to connect, tries to connect. And then is like, oh, shoot, like, this is not working. I'm going to look away because this is, and this happened to me in my last relationship. I'm going to look away. I'm going to, like, shut down myself. I'm going to become icy myself. Yeah. Um, Because this pain over and over again is too painful. Yeah. Right? 
And so, which is so fascinating from a counter-transference kind of therapist perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're literally, the other person is literally doing what the avoidant had to do in childhood, which is to shut down right, and to not feel. So if we're not going to do these same things, as we're pointing out these old strategies, right? a lot of times the anxious will just go get our needs met with our friends yes, or like other places. So because you don't want to come critical, like mm -hmm. I'm tired of this icy shit. So that's another yeah. thing that the anxious can do is get really critical yes. and pokey and judgmental. Yeah. She can pull away and become avoidant. She can walk on eggshells and be codependent. But what she can do is name reality. Yeah. And if you want to help your guy, like we, we talked about this earlier, like, hey, I, I can see you're having a hard time over there. This doesn't work for me. What's happening right now? Like, mm -hmm. we can talk about it, but mm -hmm. this doesn't work. So what do you want to do? You want to talk about it? Otherwise, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. But then Let we'll have me to know when you're ready to talk. Yeah. And then we have to circle back because this yeah. isn't, this isn't okay. This doesn't feel yeah, good. This, this dynamic isn't okay, isn't okay yeah. anymore. Yes. Right. Because a lot of times women will kind of do the work before men and kind of wake up and realize, Jesus, this hasn't worked for me for years. Holy yeah. shit. And have these epiphanies. Yes. And then to kind of transition the relationship to be able to enter in and say, Hey, I know this is how we used to do it. We can't keep doing it. Totally. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in transition. This can be really great and interesting. We're going to get closer. We're going to have better sex. Yeah. You can frame it as like, this is going to be cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I think that's so, so huge, which is to be able to create that boundary yeah. so that you can feel like you're, it's also, it's really putting you in your high sense of self, your, your sense of integrity. Yeah. Like I have boundaries here and I'm not just going to keep people pleasing and make you feel like it's okay that you're treating me this way. It's not okay. Right. Well, and you're going to so, lead, yeah. you're going to lead us into a better place. Yes. And then yeah. become good at doing that, which is what you do with clients and what you do in this podcast. Like you're leading people to better places. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And exactly. And I think, you know, in the, um, yeah, again, kind of bringing polarity back because I love to talk about po polarity. So it's like, the, this is a way that maybe the woman's going to be leading, right? And maybe sometimes you really want the man to lead, but this in a heterosexual relationship, if this dynamic is happening and your man is avoidant, this is a way that you're going to be leading, but you're going to be leading from this place of like deep That's boundaries it. and deep sense of self yeah. and deep worthiness, which is so, so sexy and powerful and awesome. And it's like, come what may, right? Then we get to see what happens. I always say we get to see what happens when you speak your need, when you speak your feeling, when you speak your boundary, you get to see what happens. And we, we have to let the chips fall where they may. And we have to see what happens. And if the person can be, can come back and, and, and kind of meet you in that, that boundary and that request. Well, that's where it can get really intense because what you're saying is you might have to leave yeah. and you might have to leave. Yeah. Like if you do your work, there's no guarantee that your friends, your family, your partner will stay on the run. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think I just want to speak to something, you know, so many of the women who come into my program, we, I help you leave a, a relationship that has been this dynamic for so long. Maybe you've done the work with the person and it still hasn't shifted or you, the person isn't willing to do the work. They're not willing to 
kind of move in the ways that you're wanting to move forward in the relationship. And so, but then leaving the relationship can become one of the most difficult things you've ever experienced in your life. And so having someone to support you is so, so powerful with this. And I think that's really important to note, which is if you've tried all the things and you, maybe you've tried everything that we're talking about today. Maybe you've tried couples therapy. Maybe you've tried doing your own inner work and becoming more secure and speaking your needs and feelings and health and boundaries in a healthy way. And you've tried giving the person space and da, 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 and it's still not working for you. Then, you know, really getting that support with letting that relationship go is so important, but also knowing that it's so hard to let something go when there's just so much attachment and love and connection. And so that can be really one of the most challenging things to do. Which is why a lot of people, I think, don't really do the work because they sense that if they do the work, they'll be in a dilemma where yes. they, they might actually have to leave the person they someone they love. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There can be so much fear around that. So, um, so yeah, I think, there's just so much that we could talk about around this topic. It just is so, so juicy. And I feel so grateful that we went so deep today and that we also both really could share personally kind of around our vulnerable experiences around attachment and around being with someone of the opposite attachment style. And, um, you know, it just shows, yeah, how much we work we've done knowing each other for 13 years. We definitely wouldn't have been able to have this conversation 13 years ago at all. Sure. Um, and so it's so fun to, to do this with you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to go deeper with, um, first of all, yeah. Is there anything that you want to share in terms of your book, in terms of work? Um, Yeah book is Be Less Dickish. You can go to BeLessDickish.com. It's a really fun, strange, wild ride. It's kind of a hardcore self-help book for people that don't generally like self-help books. Um, and I see couples and individuals over Zoom. Awesome. So, yeah. And can you share for the book, in terms of men, like what do you feel like they're... Why, why would a man want to read this book what would it help him with i don't i don't talk specifically about attachment in the book mm -hmm. um but like be less dickish kind of explores these kind of four extreme male responses like dick asshole douchebag there's, there's three of them and the dickish response is feeling kind of victimized so the avoidant often feels victimized by the anxious's kind of needs and um you want things from me and then the dick position is like oh well because you're not respecting me or what I need because you did something to me, I get to do something to you. And so that plays out a lot in anxious avoidant dynamics is the avoidant is feeling kind of overwhelmed and then will then kind of poke and judge the anxious. Oh, you're needy. Why are you calling all the time? Like, why can't you just be secure with yourself like me? Which is a total fallacy, of course, but it really explores, um, it kind of puts a name to these kind of core negative strategic behavior patterns that men get caught in to and unpack them so yeah and there's just you know there's not that many books for men about men and relationships and relating and so i highly recommend reading that book and then also if you are listening to this podcast and you're a man and you're avoidant and you're really wanting to go deeper with and do this yes. deep deep work um <laughs> 
That was our game. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, if you're really wanting to go deeper in this work, currently I'm working with men individually and um, doing this deep work around attachment. Um, and so whether you're, you know, more anxious, more avoidant, more disorganized, and you're really wanting to become more secure and really have this healthy, thriving, loving, secure relationship, I would love to work with you. And you can go to empowerlove.us forward slash apply to book your free love breakthrough session. And then if you're a woman and you're really relating to this and you're really wanting to become either you're anxious and you're wanting to become more secure and you really, whether you're in a relationship or you're single and you're really ready to break through these patterns and show up in a healthy and secure way and find a healthy, secure relationship. Would love to have you in my program. And you can also go to empowerlove.us forward slash apply to book your free love breakthrough session. And if you're avoidant, we would also love to have you in the program in the women's <laughs> program. Um, and we, we really go deep into kind of what we were talking about in terms of healing those experiences, memories, and feelings from the past that created this pattern of needing a lot of space or distance and then kind of working through it so that you can become more secure and show up in all these secure ways that we're talking about. And we talked about it in kind of a gendered way that like women tend to run anxious and men avoid it. But I know tons of avoidant women and anxious men. And yes. So just to say we, we kind of, we did been, kind of go gender normative, but yeah. It, that's, yeah, it, um, it's not true at all. There are more, I think there are more avoidant men in the population than avoidant women, but sure. there's definitely a lot of avoidant women too. And it's so, and you might be, you even, and, and a lot of the women in the program, they're avoidant and they, they still have the pattern of being with unavailable people. So and these patterns can run all these different ways. And, and the key is really exactly learning how to show up in your healthy sense of self and security, whatever uh, attachment pattern you have come from. And it, and it can be fun. Like, it can be a really fun, engaged, interesting ride to do the feeling. Like, you can feel like, ugh, I don't want to do that. It's, but in my experience, like it gets really interesting really quickly. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's a lot more interesting than the same old, same old. Yes. I love that. And it, it is. It's so, so fascinating. And so much self-learning and self-growth happens, as well as how much it affects your other relationships, your relationships with your um, children, for example, or your relationship with your colleagues, or your relationship with your parents. So much healing happens through doing this deeper work. Thank you. Thank you. That was so fun. And um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Thank you so much for listening to Rewire Your Attachment Style. This is Maya Diamond to receive your two free gifts to help you on your journey to lasting love and to start rewiring your attachment style today. Go to empowerlove.us forward slash love.